0: Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm KJ. You know the drill. We're back here once again to remind you about the benefits of the Dunlap Champions Club. If you haven't sampled it still, well, find one of your friends or somebody that has, you know, the spring game in the rearview mirror. Certainly uh, some other folks got an opportunity in there to enjoy what is uh, just terrific space. Every now and then when you're hanging out in the Dunlap Champions Club an MC Hammer concert breaks out too so you never know what you're going to get
1: and if you haven't had the opportunity to even be there you can schedule a private tour just call 850-644-1830 tickets are available it's a it's a home schedule that uh, you'll enjoy visiting there and particularly if we're getting to those noon noon kickoffs you'll be air conditioned and ready to go well that
0: is a good point i just in general i didn't want to have a noon kickoff conversation but i get your point point. and the home schedule of course includes miami nc state louisville syracuse uh whatever it is the number to call or, or, or go online seminoles.com uh, slash tickets
1: and check out the dunlap champions club and we really like them because they allow us to then put this on the podcast and it's without commercial interruption is that how we say it this being front row knolls
2: take it away
0: We're one day closer to the start of football season. Where'd they go? I'm in a good mood today. Where'd they go?
1: I went out to, I went out to the practice fields and they're not there. They're on location. Oh. And the weather's not agreeing. Yeah, they had a little uh, moisture and lightning and had to go in
2: Yesterday for Yesterday
0: and today, too. We'll hear about that from our uh, Osceola.com insider, Bob Ferrante, a little bit later on. I will say, despite my good mood, I'm just going to bring us down right at the beginning. Oh, here it, we go. It did occur to me. That if you think back a month ago, we were at the ACC kickoff, and generally you're going to bring you bring two representatives of your program there. Which they did. And they tend to be people who you figure are going to have a significant impact on the season. Which we thought they would. And Florida State brought Tamari and Terry and Marvin Wilson. And we still think they will. Though Terry hasn't practiced all fall, and Wilson has now been out since Friday. So I started to think about that a little deeper, and I
1: thought... At some point, this does get disconcerting. That was the word I was going for, disconcerting. We've been doing this way too long. However, I will also tell you this. I'm not worried about Marv, big Marv, he'll, he'll be fine. The Terry issue is of concern because it's coming off of surgery. Now, regardless of whether it was a surgery on a scale of one to 10, whether it was a one or a 10, there's just stuff that can happen with surgery. Uh, They didn't do it quite right. It doesn't feel quite right. You get an infection or whatever. So the fact that he's not been back on the field after the surgery does make me pause. Not worried about Wilson, not putting up the red flag of alarm on Terry, but it is of a little concern. My thought when that was announced is that it was a simple cleanup
0: surgery. Now, this is what happens in the absence of information we all speculate. So nothing was disclosed. Your speculator is on? My speculator, I turned it on. At my age, it only works for so long. So let me hurry up and get this out. Oh, did you change subjects? Here was my speculation. was that it was cartilage cleanup. And because cartilage cleanup tends to be, you know, in the NFL, some guys will have that surgery on Monday and play the following Sunday. But, you know, it's more like a two- to three-week thing, whereas if you have a minor and it seems odd to say minor ligament, but not a full tear, and they're cleaning that up, or you have a sprain. Then you get into the four or six weeks, and if it's obviously a tear, then you got a whole recovery. So that was my initial thought. But it's not like he hasn't come back yet and we expected him back. I mean, I think – I don't think there was a timetable. There wasn't table. really a
1: time frame.
0: I think everybody just walked away from that initial press conference thinking, oh, we'll have him by the mm-hmm. first game.
1: My thought on that stuff has always been, and this is because I'm a curmudgeon, is wh- wh- why did you do that in August? Why didn't you do that in June? And I think the answer to that is probably
0: it wasn't bothering him during off season, and then all of a sudden he ramped up a little bit and they thought, you know what, this is going to become more of an issue, so let's clean it up. I wonder that too. In two years when I go to move, I'll ask myself why I didn't pack and declutter now instead of waiting (laughs) till two weeks before I move. You know, it's the same type of question. Understood. Here's the other thing, though. Again, um, I'm not trying to bring us down, but a year ago at this time, all the reports were that Brian Burns was the best player on the field, probably should go directly to Canton because they can't block him to save their life. To be fair... Burns was a first-round pick, had two sacks and 12 snaps last week in his NFL debut for Carolina. But what we found out is that meant the offensive line wasn't very good. So now we have all these reports that the offensive line is doing a good job, it's holding its own, looks much better, to which I think, what does that say about the defensive front right now?
1: Well, two things. Number one, remember, they're not saying that the offensive line is headed directly to Canton.
0: (laughs) That's true. That's true.
1: Unless and, they bought a plane ticket. And number you. two, they had a long, long, long way to come from. So the fact that you're saying they're better on a scale of one to a hundred could be anywhere from a two to a 98. <laughs> we'll wait and see what happens in Jacksonville it would be my best advice. So you're saying you're not worried about it. I'm, I'm not worried we're about kind
0: it. Of, we're kind of at the point though of the preseason. We have analyzed the first 15 minutes of practice so much And read so much into it. And that's what the media sees, and it's 12 or 15% on a daily basis. So that's all they've got to talk about. I I mean, we don't know if the
1: guys are actually playing the same positions they line up at during the open portion of practice. Who knows? And then there are always those out there saying that the coaching staff is orchestrating this so that the press will see it in a different light, and therefore it won't give off any signals or signs to the opponent, which I say Please don't be offended, but that's giving the staff too much credit for intelligence. It's just a coincidence, whatever's happening. Did you see the reports from Boise about how they turned the heat up yesterday at practice? Well, yes, I did. And did you see the reports about the cold boxes that we've got in Florida Yes, (laughs) that are 18 degrees? Wow, geography does make a little difference, doesn't it?
0: Well, the index got to, I don't know if we hit 113. It was predicted to hit 113 yesterday. And meanwhile, Boise... I don't know what the exact temperature was, but they went in their indoor facility and turned the heat up and then watered the field,
1: I guess, to create some humidity. I just can't think that that translates the same. I, I can't either, but they're doing what they have to do. By the way, this is a Boise team that will come in with a new quarterback, and we'll probably get into this a little more in a week ahead. And new skill players. New skill players. And But how about this for a stat that I did not know, and most of our listeners will not know. For 10 consecutive years – Florida, excuse me, Boise has had a 1,000-yard rusher. For the last 10 consecutive seasons, they've had at least one 1,000-yard rusher. We we can't say that. It'll be tough for them to get there in week one, though. Correct. But your point
0: is, they've got a philosophy. They stick to it. Exactly. Exactly. I hear you. So I've got a couple of topics here, and we'll get into other Florida State athletics in our next segment. Bob or uh, coming up. Bob Ferrante will join us. By the way, uh, Derek Brooks and Tony Dungy were at practice today for
1: the Knowles down in Bradenton. Do you like the idea of going on the road? I do. Uh, I was a part, uh, right after I finished ball, um, a couple of the local high schools would travel over to Mariana. There was a facility over in Mariana, Blue Springs, I think it was called, and they'd go over there for two or three days, kind of like a camp. And I'd go over and speak and help and that type of thing when I still thought I knew something. Uh, I like the concept. Um, I know it's expensive. I know that it's done for reasons other than camaraderie, which is why the high schools would do it 35 years ago. You know, you're going off, get everybody situated. But camaraderie so. is part of it. It's a big part of recruiting, it. Recruiting, obviously, recruiting presence. Is, is, you know, I would, I would argue that in Florida State's case, recruiting is probably bigger than the camaraderie aspect. But, you know, a different place, getting up at a different, getting out of a different bed, going to a different place to eat, practicing on a different field, it changes it up. Regardless of whether you're doing two a days or one a day, 25 practices get monotonous because you're hitting each other and and, and that's all you're doing. Uh, So I like it. It breaks it up. I think it's cool.
0: Even in lean budget times when we know that everybody's talking about the fact that it's we won't get into it
1: but isn't it amazing that depending on how you read the numbers florida state's approved athletic budget is 109 million but according to the newspaper and to uh, usa today they generated 160 something million in revenue huh there's accountants and then there's liars and there's statistics and then there's something else however that phrase goes the short answer on that and you're correct because
0: oftentimes everybody reports things in different buckets so you don't even know if you're looking at apples to applesness they try to make that apples to apples but the reason that number is so big for fsu is because of the unconquered campaign exactly and so you have dollars that are counted as revenue even if they're pledges that aren't in yet but more than that they're restricted they're to go somewhere else they're restricted to go to the football yep. facility or golf or or whatever. whatever it is but they're not being used to pay to put food on the training table for the football team or send them to Bradenton
1: but I tell you I will so that's the I, short I will share that. with you I will share with you that sometimes I'm not aware of what's going on per se came back from the beach early Kathy stayed down a couple. sometimes of days. you're not aware shut of... up came back from the beach early Kathy stayed down for a couple of days so Monday evening I'm going into town to get me something to eat and I pass the FSU equipment truck the big semi where's that thing going and it took me about thirty seconds to go through my mind and piecemeal. Oh, oh, yeah, they're going down to IMG. That's why it's leaving. But it just caught me off guard. There goes the truck. Where is it going? Right, right leaving early right, for did Jacksonville. Somebody,
0: did somebody steal the truck? What's going well, on? What's going on? I, I see. <laughs> did it have the recovery boxes? No. Okay. Uh, those we, we pretty much, they might want to make a smaller version, like a phone booth size. There's an old school reference. Younger listeners, a phone booth used to be like a box that had a phone attached to a cord in a
1: it. a public phone. You put a dime or a nickel or a quarter in and you could make calls, could make
0: a call. This is in the pre-cell phone era. But if they made something that size,
1: uh, maybe we
0: would just use them at the house to feel better. And you know, like when you're going to check the mail and you about pass out, maybe you'd use one. If anybody was going to create one. Madison Social would get a recovery box and they'd put it right on their table. They're going to have one now. Now They're going to have one now. They're going to have one. And uh, anyway, Madso turns uh, six later this month. August 24th and 25th fifth. will have two days worth of festivities. Happy sixth birthday. We'll get out in front early. Happy birthday birthday to you. No, we won't sing and don't wait at the post office. We're probably not sending a card. Ain't happening. We're just saying happy birthday right here. I I will point out, and we've mentioned this previously, but Township, and I think it's it's Madso and all the four of the table properties, but every Thursday night, they do a cool promotion where if you're headed out uh, – this is maybe more directed at the Younger set, but doesn't have to be. If you're headed out and you take Uber and Lyft, they will then – and you bring your receipt there. They will give you a, a credit, if you will, up to $10 for the amount of your Uber and Lyft ride, which is a good way to promote don't drink and drive and be safe and
1: all that. And thing. guess so, where me and Kathy will be tomorrow night? Uh, taking an Uber to Township? No, we'll be driving, but we will be at uh, Centrale. Okay. Because it's date night. Oh, big
0: date night at Centrale. Yeah. All right. So that has just ramped up, folks. If you weren't planning to head to college town tomorrow night, come by. I'll give away free autographs. There you go.
1: That'll that'll bring them in. Get there early. It'll be a long line. <laughs> Step
0: aside. We're just getting warmed up. We've got, I told you, I'm in a good mood today. I don't know why. It's Wednesday. But then you bring up two downer subjects. What's wrong but I with brought you? Up, Are you I, bipolar? I brought them up in a glass half full. Con- well, no, I didn't. You're right. I, I don't know. And I don't think so, but maybe. Another segment coming up on Front Runals after this. <laughs> We'll be right Welcome back. Time to get into the heavy lifting now as we crank open that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to Bob Ferrante, who is our Osceola.com insider. Check out the Osceola online at the Osceola.com. Bob, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys? Good. How is how is Bradenton? Wet, I hear.
3: Bradenton has been equal parts hot and thunderstorms, so we've we've seen a little bit of everything so far.
0: What's your, Before we get into the sort of on-field stuff, and I realize they've been on the field and then off the field quickly, what's your take on doing these sort of off-site training camps? Do you think the, the benefit uh, you know, the, it justifies the cost? You know, I think so. Willie Taggart's done this
3: uh, going back to South Florida. He took the team to Dodger Town, and now at Florida State coming down to Bradenton's IMG Academy. I think it builds camaraderie and chemistry. It gets the guys a little bit closer together. You know, you're in a, a dorm room or hotel with group, and just spending time together, working, talking. Maybe you, you mix in with, uh, say, so a defensive player mixing in with an offensive player. And I, I like the chemistry. I think it. I think it really works, and, and especially maybe, you know, coming off last year, maybe it builds better relationships and uh, and some leaders develop too
0: does it give recruiting a bump just from the standpoint that now FSU is generating headlines in the Sarasota and Bradenton papers? And oh, by the way, there's a lot of good football players at IMG.
3: Yeah, I think so. And, and to be honest, you know, recruits aren't allowed to watch IMG coaches and players aren't there, but I do think, you know, local TV has been here. There's been a presence from news outlets like the Tampa Bay times and, and the local papers. So, Yeah, it definitely helps. They've had a ton of recruiting momentum coming out of that Saturday Night Live event in late July. So, yeah, I think this has to help, you know, a lot of momentum with the program. Willie Taggart's got a top-10 signing class. I think there's, you know, we're into that mid-August point where there's enthusiasm about the opener. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good thing for for kind of Southwest Florida to host the Knolls, And, you know, some people get to say they're in my backyard.
1: All right, Bob, getting back to the field, good news um, from the uh, administrative standpoint, uh, the uh, waiver request uh, and immediate eligibility of Jordan Travis. I know he's been hampered a little bit with a leg problem uh, in camp, but I'm one of those guys, I look back at what he did in the spring game, 22 of 28, 240 yards passing, and i got to believe he's going to be able to help somewhere sometime, and it, it'll be as soon as this year.
3: I think so, too. He What he does really well is he throws, You know, those short and intermediate passes. He's not, doesn't have that downfield arm like like a James Blackman. So I think what he does is he brings some mobility, some leadership, you know, an accurate passer. I have to think he's now the guy who could be the number two. Like, you know, for all of Alex Hornybrook's experience, and there's a lot there, not the best system fit for what Bryles and Taggart want to run. I still feel like James Blackman is the front runner here, but. Now, all of a sudden, Jordan Travis, that last hurdle has been cleared for him. He doesn't have to worry about it. He's ready to go, and he he really could be the number two guy.
0: Was it a sense of relief when you talked to him? Did you get that sense from him?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was very stressful. Um, I I think he was very thankful, though, too, to be honest. I think he, he knew initially what was going on. I think he, when he was looking at various schools, he looked at Florida State, UCF, South Florida, Florida Atlantic, And, you know, along the way, I think he had some pretty serious discussions with coaches and administrators, and they told him that transferring from an ACC school to another ACC school would bring you another larger hurdle. And he knew going in, it was going to be tough. And I think he also knew that FSU and compliance was going to go to bat for him. And they certainly did. They saw it through. They saw it through a a denial and then an appeal. And then you have to go through all those steps, and, and finally on Monday, he gets cleared and he seems incredibly happy, incredibly
0: thankful. Yeah, it was good news, even if it took too long to get to that resolution. Glad to to, to see that he's he's eligible and ready to go. Okay, talk me off the ledge on this one. Uh, this is uh, Bob. It's Farni. a long way down, Bob Ferrani from the Osceola we're chatting with. I, I mentioned at the top of the show that you know we we're at the point in fall camp where it, it's it's all been roses and sunshine because you haven't played anybody else, and then it occurred to me that the two representatives that. Willie brought to the ACC kickoff one of them hasn't practiced at all this fall and the other's been out since Friday and Tamari and Terry and Marvin Wilson and at some point that becomes somewhat significant
3: yeah and I think it doesn't become incredibly significant until you're about let's say 10 days out you need to get your conditioning back and get into game week mode I'm totally with you though I mean if you were ranking the two most um, irreplaceable players so to speak. Even though there's depth at receiver, Tamari and Terry is is a stretch the field receiver, the guy who goes up and gets touchdowns, and then Marvin is kind of that guy who's gonna spearhead the three four defense. So yeah, you know, right now without him, I think this team looks different on the offense and defense side of the ball. But let's let's see about ten days out, maybe even that Monday of game week, if they're on the field, you start to feel better. If they're not, you know, then you're really starting to sweat.
1: Speaking of defensive line, good news, and and we don't have time to go into the great story, but fill fill us in a little bit with uh, Cedric Wood and and his participation in 2019.
3: Yeah, Cedric Wood is a great kid, local boy from Godby High School, and we got to talk to him this morning. I I honestly had no idea how severe the injury was, but his hand was was badly injured, you know, tendons. um, He said it was a life-threatening injury. And, you know, he was able to come back medically, Lots of physical therapy, uh, lots of good work by the people at Florida State helping him out. And he said, you know, he he was really thinking about giving up football. He was he was really down. Um, I think this is the case where a good position coach really helps, and and Coach Odell Hagen's, you know, he's at the top. He's one of the best out there, and, and he really talked him into sticking around and gave, giving that push again, coming back, and who knows what his role is going to be moving forward. But I think with with the Marvin Wilson injury. Uh, the J-1 Parks medical disqualification. You know, you, you do have to have depth on that defensive front. You've got to have a good rotation. I think Sed is going to be in that rotation, so it, it's good to see him back.
1: And for those of our listeners that weren't uh, uh, firmly aware of everything, Wood was injured in an off, a non-football injury that resulted in him redshirting in 2018, and as Bob talked about, uh, even discussion about whether he'd be able to continue his career. So having him back in the fold, so to speak, I and mean, because he's a local kid, great news especially you mentioned Jalen
0: Parks just kind of in passing that he's medically disqualified you know we forget as fans or media a lot of times you get a guy like that who's put his whole career into football and now he will still be on scholarship but it just becomes a little footnote and you don't necessarily remember him down the road which is just the way it is but uh I, I guess that means he, he is still on scholarship how does that impact depth uh, recruiting does that open up a spot you know just give us a little backstory on Jalen Parks
3: yeah, it's a good rule that the NCAA has. So you have an 85 scholarship limit, but this is an 86 scholarship, so to speak. So now Willie Taggart can reward a walk on or save it for the recruiting class in December. And it's a good rule in that Jalen can uh, can stay in school, pursue his studies, get his degree. I don't know for sure, you know, will he stick around with the football program? Will he be there, you know, as a, as a coach on the sideline? Will he go from the box? But again just a, just a good solution all around for him.
0: Yeah and that is uh, it, it's bad news on the field but good news that he can continue his studies. I don't know that we talked about him last week but everywhere I turn I'm hearing more and more about Keyshawn Helton so is he uh, opening your eyes as much as he seems to be everybody else's? I, I think he and DJ have
3: been the most consistent receiver during the open portions of practice that we've seen. I haven't seen him drop a pass I I talked to another writer about this he said one you know but to your point it it is one and it's notable that you can only think of that one over what are we now 10 11 practices in so it's funny that that uh, Keyshawn Helton was probably the uh, lowest rated recruit out there in that 2018 class but yet he's the guy who could pay some of the most you know biggest dividends for them kind of a small guy but but tough as nails and I think he you know truly enjoys being a seminal it's kind of his dream school he wanted to be here and i think he really wants to reward coach taggart and the staff for you know taking a chance on
0: one more on the football field because another name that's come out a lot in the last week or so has been travis J. I feel like this is the week of travis there's jordan travis and now there's 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 jay travis and there's travis J. right that's going to be confusing but you know he's a local kid from madison county uh Two-way guy, he's he's working in the defensive backfield for FSU. What have you seen from him?
3: Yeah, Travis Jay just seems to make plays no matter what he's doing. I, I was at his signing day announcement in uh, in February, and yeah. and his coach, you know, Mike Coe, said he's, he looks good if not better than, than anybody I've ever coached. And you know, I kind of gave him a look, and he said, "Well, yeah, I've, I've coached Chris Thompson and Jacoby McDaniel and some other guys. They're they're great, but you know, this guy's a gamer. He doesn't miss practices and games, and plays multiple positions. And it sounds like." You know, I think Coach Coe even tweeted it that, uh, you know, Jay is making all the plays and practices. He's uh, had some interceptions, pick sixes to close practices. So Coach Dagger's happy with him. I, I don't know how this is all going to shake out. There just seem to be too many defensive backs who are playing too well, uh, even if you go nickel. And I think we'll see Florida State in the nickel, you know, like always about 60% of the time against the spread defenses. But is he a starter? Is he a backup? I, I think in the end, 've got a good one and he's at least a good one
1: for the next couple of years all right well Bob we're looking forward to a kickoff what two weeks from Saturday over in Jacksonville but we got an earlier kickoff that uh, everybody is kind of holding their breath over and that's the uh, the kickoff of the ACC network what what should we expect when those when does the dollars roll in and, and how big is this thing going to be
3: you know I think it's already a uh... You know, the ACC feels like it's a positive launch. It's far positive compared to the Pac-12 network, which, you know, really had carrier difficulties from the start. You know, right now, the ACC network will be on the likes of DirecTV, um, Hulu Live, PlayStation View, YouTube TV, and there's a deal imminent, you know, for another large provider in uh, Spectrum and Charter. If that does come through as announced, that's going to bring just Huge number of households who can watch the you ACC know, network. So there are some big players still to come. What will Comcast do, for example, Dish Network? But I think each of these deals gives you a little bit of leverage when you're a John Swafford or a DCC network. You can start saying, well, we've got so and so on board. You need to get on board too, or you're going to start to lose subscribers. I think the content is quite good. A lot of people felt like the conference channels were, you know, that or three, that lower programming. But as we've seen, a lot of good college football games have been scheduled. The college basketball games are going to be on. If you want to watch Florida State soccer, that's on. So it, it, it is really quality programming, and I think it's uh, something to look forward to.
0: Launch day next Thursday for the ACC network. We've been talking about it forever. I, I am confident, regardless of how many deals are announced between now and then, and that is good news that Spectrum's in the fold. Uh, Ultimately, they will get the deals done with the major carriers. Uh, You know, Comcast has a little more leverage right now because many of their other uh, channels uh, deals don't expire for a couple of years, at least as far as what's been reported. Um, so they might have a little bit leverage, but ESPN always has, and Disney have a pretty heavy hand too. I'm
1: going to go with Disney on this one. Yeah. Uh,
0: The answer is Disney. (laughs) Hey, one other question, Bob, as we let you get going, uh, this, it didn't make a big splash, but there was news that came out that Florida state has created a touchdown club, which, and I haven't talked to anybody at Seminole boosters during athletics about it, but it appears to be. Akin to what a coach's club is that has long existed for baseball and women's basketball and everything else. Is that, is that accurate? And, and what, what blanks can you fill in there?
3: Yeah, Patrick Burnham did a story on it for our site. And it's, um, it is a coaches club. It was started, I think, with a golf tournament in June. And, uh, you know, they had a lot of Florida State coaches and alumni playing. And, and it's, it's a fundraiser. I think Coach Taggart wants to use it toward uh, you know, student athlete development. I think for the recent graduates, is kind of the goal there. But you know, yet another good program that I think Coach Taggart wanted to see come to fruition. The tunnel boosters were in agreement. They were able to, uh, to blend their time and energy and make it happen.
0: That is the FSU Touchdown Club, and he is Bob Ferrani, our Osceola.com insider. Enjoy Bradenton, sir. Appreciate the insight. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. The Osceola-devoted FSU sports and fan experiences online at the Osceola.com you can try it out for seven days, or subscribe for six ninety five monthly, or seventy four ninety five annually. So free,
1: seven days free. Yes, free is good. Free, free is good. Free is good. It was Was there something else? You looked like you wanted to weigh in on something else. There. I was gonna say we you you had made some notes and you had shared. I've got some more notes than I've ever had. I'm not sure and, what I'm doing. I'm and the next preparing. thing on the notes was FSU Alabama, and we didn't get to it. Oh, that's coming. That's coming. First,
0: okay. first, we're getting to Mark Krikorian, though. Okay. We're going to talk a little soccer. Then we'll get to FSU Alabama. Okay. It's a tease, Keith. More Front Row Knowles after this. I'm going to watch
2: Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, we've talked a lot about football, but let's do a little football here because FSU's soccer season kicks off in the next week or so, and you're probably aware that Florida State is the defending national champs, and as we open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline once again, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together, we say hello to Florida State's Coach
1: K, Mark and Coach, how are you, sir?
4: Doing great. Hey, guys, thanks for uh, having me, and I look forward to uh, having a quick chat with you.
1: Head coach of the defending national champions. Does that ever get old?
4: <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, I would like to be able to say it more often.
0: Let me ask you this, and you've had this experience before, but a lot of folks will point out that climbing the mountain is sometimes a lot easier than staying on top of the mountain. And you've you've won a couple of national titles, so in, in this go-round, how do you attack that challenge when the bullseye is smack dab on your back?
2: Well, we know
4: that we're going to get everybody's best game, right? Every opponent that we have is going to come out with the uh, hope of uh, knocking us off and knocking us down a, a peg or two, but You know, we have a very good team. We have a very competitive team. We have a lot of good players, um, very experienced players as well. And, um, you know, we're going to take each game as it comes. We're going to continue to look at uh, things in the same way we did uh, last year and uh, prior to that also where, you know, we're not taking anything for granted. And uh, we have a hardworking blue-collar team that's uh, willing to put the effort in to be successful. So, you know, no one here is looking beyond the first game at this point and uh, excited for it.
1: Mark, we do want to look ahead, but one last time, when you look back at 10 years, 15 years from now, when you talk about last year's squad, what will be the number one thing you talk to others that didn't see them play that you would use to characterize that group?
4: Well, I think we played the beautiful game. That's uh, kind of how we want to play here at Florida State. We want to make sure that we're in control of the game uh, with the ball, dictating the tempo of the game, dictating the play. And I think that everyone that saw us play uh, gained great appreciation for not only the quality of the players, but uh, also the quality of their play. And um, we went through a a really tough gauntlet to win the national championship of a lot of really good teams and uh, uh, came out on top. And um, I think that the the playing style was was beautiful to watch. And um, I think most people who had a chance to, to watch it around the country um, got a real good picture as to what Florida State soccer is.
1: Beautiful play from the beautiful mind, the the beautiful mind of the coach. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Did I see this, or, or was I hallucinating that you're
0: preseason number one, but you were picked second in the ACC?
4: I think that's true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's a head scratcher, but really, what it speaks to is the caliber of competition in the in the Atlantic Coast Conference so how do you balance the fact that there are no nights off in the ACC with we still need to make sure that we've got the right RPI to try and you know be at home in the postseason and, and schedule accordingly at a conference
4: that's a great question it's really an interesting balance of you know trying to find the results winning games in other words but also continuing to grow and develop the team and You know, one of the challenges we have in the world of college soccer is international duty, international call-ups. So, uh, as you know, that certain times during the year, some of our national team players are called away from our team and we have to go into competition without them, which is both a a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing in that it gives other players an opportunity to get meaningful game time and help to build our our depth. It's a curse in that we're losing a really good player or two or three or four in a meaningful game. So... Um, you know, the ACC is just a, a, a really good conference, uh, top to bottom. I think last year we had seven out of the last 16 uh, going into the Sweet 16 uh, were ACC schools. Um, obviously, the two that played in the final lesson, Carolina, were ACC schools. There have been other years where three out of the four in the Final Four were uh, schools from the ACC. I think uh, a few years ago also we had eight out of 16 in the in the Sweet 16, so you know the, the competition and the level from top to bottom is really good.
1: I think our listeners need to be aware. We've talked about it, Tom and I have Mark that uh, you were one of uh, in the forefront about the international play and allowing your ladies to to fulfill those those dreams and aspirations. And I think that's part of what has uh, has built this Florida State program to where it is. But I have a I have a big picture question for you. If you were named commissioner of the Division One women's soccer program. Uh, throughout the country. You're the commissioner now. What's the first number one rule change, administrative change? What What's the first thing you would do to change women's soccer if you had the power to do it?
4: Oh boy, That's a, that is a big picture question and uh, one that I certainly would like to take a lot more time to think through uh, rather than give you a quick off-the-cuff answer, but um, <clears throat> probably one of the things that I would look at is uh, making sure that the um, spring semester is um, as good for growth and development of the players as the fall semester is. You know, in the fall, we have our competitive season. In the spring, it's much more limited in terms of availability to coaches. And, you know, with the kids like we're getting here at Florida State, they all want to play as pros. They all want to be in national teams. And I think there are some restrictions that make it a little bit difficult for the kids to develop as much as they want to uh, because of the rules that we have.
0: Should point out as a segue there, uh, well I want to segue into the the national team topic, but uh, your team I, I think is annually among the uh, maybe the top in terms of GPA and getting it done in the classroom too so I, I point that out because it's not as if increasing time on the field in the spring would would hinder that given the the caliber of uh, student athletes you're recruiting
4: but, yeah we got we have great student athletes I think uh, our team Grade point average last year was about a 3.4. So you put together the performance on the field, win the national championship, 3.4, thereabouts in the classroom, and Koika winning the Honda Award for outstanding you know, on-the-field play, in-the-classroom um, behavior and uh, performance, as well as in-the-community action, uh, I think it's a great sign.
1: And, Tom, I would echo that. I've had several of, of, of Mark's ladies in my classes over the years, and they are, they are top-notch. They're there every day. They pay attention they they score well i mean, they're a pleasure
0: good uh, good testimony there from uh Adjunct Professor Jones in the College of Business. Mark, here's what I wanted to ask related to, uh, you know, we were coming off. It was a, a a Women's World Cup year, obviously, and, and, uh, great excitement that went with that for, for, for Team USA. How close is FSU to having somebody on that national team roster? I know there's several players that have been in the pool. I know Jalen Howell that, that's on your team now is probably a candidate. I think was it Casey Short that was there right until the end before they they went to the World Cup. Just kind of paint a picture for those who don't know as much about uh, women's soccer in terms of the caliber of player you have and where they fit in the national team picture.
4: Well, we did have two players that played in the World Cup. Gabby Carl for Canada and Shayna Williams played for Jamaica. Um, you know, Casey Short was probably the last person that was cut from the u s team, so she's certainly right there knocking at the door and we'll we'll give her best effort to try and make the Olympic team this year. But the future is really bright for our young American kids. And I think that, uh, as you have mentioned, Jalen Howell, she, uh, she's on the uh, radar for them, firmly planted on the radar. And uh, she's going to continue to work and develop and give herself every opportunity to play in uh, women's national team events going forward.
0: The one rock star, and ah. you've got, I mean, everybody's an All-American, and we've asked you about this probably every year when we have you on. But now she's back as a senior and that's Dana Castellanos. And I know she's been at the World Cup and the Men's World Cup two years ago, I guess, in broadcasting or entertainment capacities. But I, I, I'll ask you again, and we do this every year, can you just describe what a talent she is? Because I know we're going to see her on the big stage as soon as she's done wearing the garnet gold.
4: Yeah, Dana's a big talent, a big personality, um, known around the world in the world of women's soccer. Um, I think um, I heard recently that her Instagram followers are up over 1.3 million at this point. Uh, I don't know about you, Tom, but I'm not quite in that, uh, that same level.
0: That's the Keith Jones stratosphere. No. No. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, yeah, right.
4: Say, Mark McCoy doesn't even have Instagram, so they're not that I know of, at least. <laughs> um, but Dana's a pleasure. She's, um, you know, everyone would think that because of her celebrity, it would be uh, a kid that would often be hard to manage. But from the minute she's walked in the door here, she's been uh, anything but. She's come in. I um, think about the team first, um, gives of herself for her teammates. Uh, she's the first one at the end of practice to grab a ball bag and to carry it and let all these young kids see that she's not above it. So um, I think that she has developed in, into a very good teammate, a good leader, and uh, will continue to uh, have great things occur for her as she goes forward.
1: Mark, just curious, what what – might be the opportunities for you and your staff to get involved a little more on the international stage from a coaching standpoint. Is is that available to you if you chose to to, to uh, entertain it?
4: Um, I think that the possibility is uh, is always there. Um, my assistant coach, Mike Bristol, has gone in uh, twice in the last few months with the USU 20 national team, and I uh, helped them out some. Of course, my other assistant, Amazeme, was uh, the the head of the Japanese uh, Federation, so in terms of player development and the technical director and stuff like that so he certainly had his share of experience with the Japanese national team and you know I think my my time with the U.S. um, I've had it Uh, I'm not sure that it's uh, a path that I'm going to go back down again. Sure
1: sure
0: let's talk about this year's team a little bit Uh, my sense is that uh, you know the cupboard is not bare but on top of that you've brought in a really strong recruiting class again uh, including and and Pronounce this for me correctly, if I if I say it wrong. But Jen and Eiswanger, I think, is one name. But but just kind of give us a, a snapshot of what you're bringing in and and what you expect. Uh, you know what this Tier's team is going to look like.
4: Well, I think that you know when we look back at last year's team, what a, what a good team it was. We had some really good senior leadership, and you know we only lost two starters out of the team. But that doesn't really tell the full picture because we had a bunch of kids coming off the bench that gave us huge minutes, scored big goals, created big chances, and defended very well. So you know, losing Koika and uh, Tillman uh, out of the starting lineup, those are big, two big gaps. They're, they're, they're hard to fill. Um, but, um, you know, then you look beyond that. The kids that scored the, the goals down the stretch, Dallas DeRozzi, I mean, you know, we lost her too. And, um, you know, Liberty Bergau and, uh, you know, Megan Conley. So we lost a lot of good kids, Michaela Edwards. But at the end of the day, we did bring in a good recruiting class, you um, we have a player that uh, transferred in from LSU, Abby Newton, who will be a sophomore, who will uh, be featured prominently in the in the group and who's done a very good job. Uh, Jenna Eiswanger, as you've mentioned, uh, she's uh, is uh, well um, uh, well she's she's re- uh, regarded as one of the top American kids coming out of uh, the ga- out of high school last year, and uh, similar in terms of. Uh, um, potential as Jalen Howell. Um, we expect her to come right in and help us and score some goals and create some goals and be a, a, an important player to us. Uh, we have a couple of new international players. We have a few other very good young American players. So I think that um, we're, we're in a good spot. We also got Clara Robbins back who was injured last year in the first game of the year, and she's a big talent. She's a very, very good player, and uh, she's going to uh, step right in, help us provide depth as well, and, both of our goalkeepers are now back and healthy.
0: Which is good news. That's one of the sub-storylines from last year, that you lost your starting keeper and still went on that run to win the whole thing. Final question for you, Coach. You open up next Thursday against TCU, and uh, which is the same day the ACC Network launches. And I, and I mentioned that just to connect the dots because your next game against Wisconsin will be the first live broadcast on the ACC Network. So that's a nice... Honor and feather in the cap and salute to your program as the defending national champs to to carry the banner for the for the league there.
4: Well, uh, we're flattered that they chose to to, to take our game and uh, make that the first game, and uh, hopefully we can go out and have a good performance on uh, the, the game against uh, TCU on Thursday, and then come back with another one against Wisconsin. We know both of those programs are very very good. Uh, I think both of them were in second and third round of the NCAA tournament last year, so. Uh, we certainly have not uh, ducked the, the hard competition uh, in our schedule, and we're going to open up with a couple of good ones.
0: Best of luck as always. Thanks for a few minutes of your time and uh, continued success to you, Mark.
4: Anytime. Nice to speak with both of you. Tom, Keith, we appreciate your support.
0: Thanks, Coach. All right, All right Coach, Coach Kerkorian. He's done such a great job. And You know, when the expectation is that you're going to be in the Elite Eight which is where he went every year for the first several years. And they you know, they missed for a couple years, but he's won two titles and basically Well, they were runner up one year too, they're, weren't they? Yep. Yep. I'm selling them short. I don't have his resume right. in front. Um,
1: but it's been a remarkable run. What's amazing to me about it is is we've now gotten to the point, you're kinda of echoing, but from a different side. That's the expectation. I mean, we're not shocked or anything if they make the final four or make it to the final. That is the expectation. Now, that's a great deal of pressure, but he, he doesn't shirk from it. Uh, his ability to recruit, particularly the international kids, and as I mentioned earlier, he was one of the first in the country that will allow those ladies to go yeah, and participate embrace it and, and not shy away from it. And I think that allowed him to bring in some talent to Florida State that maybe not would not have normally been Uh, Kids that would make it to Tallahassee. And he's just, he's built a phenomenal program. And the other thing that is amazing about Mark, you know, sometimes you, in in these things, you create your little fiefdoms and there's some little jealousies and everything. Every one of the other uh, uh, coaches embrace Mark. Uh, I mean, there's no animosity. They're all pulling for that program uh, to do well and 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 he is making himself a member of the collegial family of those coaches and it's 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 just great to see that happen that doesn't happen everywhere as I guess is what I'm saying appreciate him giving up some time to join us as
0: always they kick off the season next Thursday night as we just discussed against TCU we will talk uh, more football the uh Florida State Gridiron kind and specifically Reports that FSU and Alabama may have another date on a future schedule. I'll get into that when we uh, continue on Front Runals.
2: Dreamed. I
3: felt so good, like anything was possible.
2: Hit cruise Control and rub my eyes.
1: The last three days. The rain was
2: unstoppable. It was always cold. No sunshine. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on
0: Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ to close things out. Good show you know, so far, wouldn't you say? We do
1: say so ourselves. Uh, and we do often to ourselves. Yes. Something dawned on me. Uh, there was an article out, and forget the publication, was talking about salaries of the non-revenue or what we used to call the Olympic sports, and Coach, uh, Coach Kikorian fits in, and soccer fits into that, and um, uh, saw women's softball fits into that. It was U- USA, Today. USA Today. It was Dan, Dan Wilkin. yeah. And the other thing about they talked about, wasn't talked about, but has been talked about for, for years is facilities. So so Florida State invests in their soccer stadium and their softball stadium, and they go out and recruit, and, and they're now reasonably paying some good coaches. And, and what do we have now with those two programs? We have national championships. I mean, the, the recipe, it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work, but it's not a complicated recipe. Well, and the recipe at this point can't be tweaked
0: to pay the student-athletes, and we don't have time to discuss that now. So with that not being an option, then the dollars are going to go elsewhere, and you're going to continue to get more elaborate coaches' salaries and elaborate facilities. Well, at, I, at some point, if it shifted the other way, then the 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 first two, the facilities and the coaches' salaries, would, would level off.
1: And and uh, we'll disagree with you, but only in somatics. The kids are getting some money now. Right. That that didn't happen five years ago, four years ago. No, they are. They get is. the cost of a attendance. And... and to Florida State's credit, because they're not required, although most have, but to Florida State's credit, there was never a discussion about it, it being only for men and the women wouldn't be included. It was always a discussion that if we are going to do this and, and, and quote, unquote, pay for full cost of attendance, it would be for every scholarship athlete, which I think is something that uh, Florida State can be very proud of.
0: Okay, let's get into scheduling here. The minutia- I don't, I don't know the scheduling. schedule. No, this know. is football okay, scheduling. Okay, thank you. So the story broke on Friday, and I forgot who reported it. So I can't even give credit where credit is due. Someone other than us. Yes. I'll look that up maybe while we're talking. But Florida State and Alabama are reportedly talking about a neutral site game in 2025. Didn't say where, so I don't know if it's Atlanta again or if it's Dallas. It will be Atlanta.
1: It will be the Chick-fil-A people.
0: And it will be the opener. And that's probably right, but I don't think that was in the report. So – This was Friday evening, and I had a big night. I was staying home, and I was on Twitter, so it was a big Friday night for me. The life that the Block
1: family leads.
0: As I started to look at my timeline, there were a lot of FSU folks irritated that here we have an odd year again, meaning not an even year. Not odd as in strange. Is that how that works? Not odd as in strange. (laughs) I'm just trying to clarify. Where Florida State, much like this year, needs another good home opponent besides Miami to help sell season tickets. And so it was starting to, to, to disintegrate into what are they doing. And so I try to jump into the conversation uh, and point out, and I haven't had any conversations with FSU folks about this at all. But if you look at FSU's schedule, one, Notre Dame really messes things up. Because they're not in consecutive years. They're all over the
1: map. Well, and they're in in like every third year, which doesn't fit. You need two-year increments.
0: But more to the point, what it turned into was people saying that needs to be a home-and-home, whether it's Alabama or somebody else. They weren't necessarily saying Alabama. But let's play a Power 5 at home in 25 so that we can – and then we'll go on the road in 26 because that will fix the season ticket issue in 25. Well, it will help. It would definitely help. If you were playing Auburn or Georgia Tech or whoever it is, Uh, it would help but if you return the game in 26 that means that your non-conference in 26 is florida notre dame and that power five school that you just played and if you return it in 27 or 28 you have florida georgia and that power five school and if you return it in 29 or 30 you have florida notre dame and that power five school and don't forget about lsu so well that's 22 and 23 i'm just saying so, Those are in the mix, but everybody's forgotten about them. I, I know it's easier to visualize this than to listen to me babble about it, but really the first opening where you could return the game without over-scheduling is 31. And how many programs are going to say, we'll do a home-and-home, we'll go to you in 25, and we'll return it in
1: 31? Who, who the hell knows who's going to be good in 31? You, UCF lost 12 games four years ago. Right. Right. The the other, th- I, but here's, the late the late great monk Bonasort got up on a whiteboard one time with me, and explained all this to me. And I've forgotten it. I wish he was still around. He did a really good job. But talking about how you fill these in, and there's two overriding things that you, that that have come into the landscape that nobody wants to admit. Number one, you generally schedule home and home for consecutive years. Right. Now, there's no reason you can't scheduling for a third year or a fourth year or a fifth year but just in terms of putting the yellow stickies on the on the right. Saturdays in the years in which you're looking at simplistic minds like back to back so georgia's back to back lsu's back to back there's no reason it couldn't be 31 and 35 right but it's just not done that way number 2 you can't ignore the money that's involved in these pre quote unquote preseason kickoffs Because though it may take away a Florida State home game, Florida State playing Alabama in 2025 in in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta will generate more net dollars to Florida State than playing a home game. You can't ignore that, right, and you can 't debate that it is a fact what you so what you do here 's what you 're fixing to say is you have to balance that you can't do that every year you, you maybe do. can only do it once every three so years that's or once
0: every four years, so cut into the quick and and i don't know dollars, but they got five million to play Alabama in seventeen, so by twenty five that number will be seven, 7 or eight, 8. million and that's definitely more than they make on a home game, harder to quantify what did they lose in terms of annual giving and booster priority and the season ticket revenue there. And which is the, a
1: consideration, there's, but, there's no but, doubt. But the
0: bigger point related to 25 is because the way FSU schedule lays out, I really don't think they have options. The options are to play an FCS school, to play a group of five school, which we've just spent five years complaining about FSU playing Boise, uh, or... Well, Which you, by the way, when it was announced five years ago, people cared. Everybody was excited about it. Or to play a power five, but when you say get a power five, I think you're really talking about the top half of the power five. Because if you play Kansas or Utah. Kansas State or Utah. Or Utah or I mean you can pick whatever Minnesota or any of those schools gonna move the needle for season tickets. They're
1: not sexy enough.
0: So that's the bigger point. So and we're running out of time. Here's my question for you. And it's two, and I'll uh, so one. I think Florida State should consider uh, a non-conference home and home with Georgia Tech in the because they're not playing as ACC rivals and they're four hours away and there's a lot that's always been a good series. Which, by or, the way,
1: somebody in the ACC is doing that this year. Yeah,
0: North Carolina Wake. Yeah, or or and this is Pandora's box if you want to go down this road. That little that little town in the central part of the state, University of Central Florida. They don't want to do the two for one and they haven't done one because the return game has been not on their campus. Florida won't do it if FSU was to do it. Now, the downside is you legitimize UCF if you're doing it. But the upside is you schedule UCF here in two odd years to solve that problem because, A, FSU fans will come because they want to be – and, B, UCF will sell all 10,000 visiting tickets. And so you could do that, but – The downside again, and it's the same argument when you listen to Florida State folks complain about how Florida would never come here in the 50s and it took, you know, an act of the legislature to force them to play. Well, now FSU and the other state schools are in that same boat. Do you want to let UCF elevate their program, or do you want to keep the door shut? That's basically the question you got to ask because it would sell tickets here if you did
1: that. And I would also say, and nobody will agree with me, and this is because I'm old and I'm old-fashioned, but Coach Bowden inherited that schedule, which included five, count them, five consecutive road games at LSU. But what Coach Bowden said is we'll play anybody at any time. This is what we've got to do. The other part that no one wants to admit to is that Florida, Miami, and FSU has a fiduciary responsibility to the state of Florida, a fiduciary responsibility to the state of Florida to promote the other schools that are in the state of Florida to whatever degree they can. And I would make the argument that that solely is a reason why FSU should do a two for one for UCF, fill in those blanks, and let's get on with it.
0: We could go a lot longer on this. I should have started with this because we're at, we're out of time on this. It's just the bigger point related to 25 is I don't think there's a lot of good options. Uh, we've reached out to David Coburn, and hopefully we'll have him on in future weeks, and uh, or maybe it's Jim Curry who gets into the meat of the scheduling and, and can elaborate a little bit more. But I don't think they've got 20 programs there saying, hey, we'll go home and home with you six years apart, and FSU saying, no, we'd rather take the payday and go play Alabama. Uh, I just think you got to look at it beyond the vacuum. All right, he's Keith. I'm Tom. We're one day closer to football season. Folks, have a great night. We'll talk to you again next week.